What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. Soul City exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this podcast helps you move forward in faith, whoever and wherever you're at. Okay, let's get into today's conversation. Hey everybody, my name is John. And I'm Noelle. And you are listening to The Transformation Podcast. The Transformation Podcast is a new podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. Soul City exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And we just want to take a time to thank all of you for listening um, and giving feedback. But we want to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast mm-hmm. and leave a review so others can find it. Do they should? Do you think they should leave a review? Absolutely. Um Maybe not for you, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, maybe for the podcast in general. (laughs) For the podcast in general, our hearts. Think about our hearts for Mm -hmm, this podcast mm -hmm. and not necessarily us. I don't know if that's good feedback. Either way, you can leave a review Mm -hmm. um, on what touched you or what you'd like to learn more about. um, And we we really appreciate that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Noelle, we've been on this journey now, this podcasting journey for the last, what, five weeks? Yeah, wow. Six weeks. It's been a while. We're starting to get into a rhythm. But today we're we're doing something new. Last week we yes. talked about God doing a new thing. Yes, we and did. Here he is doing a new thing on this yes. podcast. We actually have a guest this week. A, a real a, guest. Now, not that Pastor Jarrett <laughs> is not a real guest. He's mm-hmm. but but you know he, he's he's really a part of the the, the family. Yes, yes. You know, and now we're bringing a new member. Yes. Into our podcast. I'm family. super excited about this. Me as well. Me as well. <laughs> so today in the podcast studio, we are very lucky. We are honored. We are blessed to have Nancy Beach here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a huge part of our church. Nancy and Warren, they've been a part of Soul City for several years. Their daughters are a part of Soul City. Mm-hmm. You, If you don't know them, if you don't know the Beach family, you've likely been blessed by something that they have done, some mm-hmm. sort of skills, some sort of teaching, some sort of creativity that they have brought to Soul City. Um, and we had the pleasure of hearing Nancy teach today. Yes, we did. And now we have the honor of having her on the podcast. Nancy Beach, welcome to the Transformation Podcast. Thank you. So good to be here. Absolutely. So good to have you. So good. So Nancy, um, one, I loved your message. It really spoke um, to my heart um, and gave me a lot of challenges to take into the next week. But for our listeners who... Um, and that in this uh, was last week, but for our listeners who are here today, I wanted us to kind of go beyond um, your message. And the title of your message was "Bad News for Religion," and I want you to explain to us this idea of religion and why it's bad news. Well, actually, Noel, I think this goes way, way, way back. Okay, I mean, you know there are um, people who have confused religion with what God's agenda is for. Forever, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's because religion it comes more naturally to us, and we think if we put a structure and some rules and some rigid guidelines together and check off the list, then we're good with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember learning as a young person someone contrasting religion with what's a, truly a relationship with God, and that's mm-hmm. a very different thing. Um, and I think this is true across all religions. You know, there's a difference between the rule keeping and the, and the real deal. The, the heart issues. So that's what we were trying to contrast today. Wow, that's good. The yeah. rule keeping versus the heart issues. Yeah, rule keeping versus mm. the real deal. Because yeah, I think that that is sometimes 
problematic language for certain folks that don't understand what you mean when you say religion versus a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Because I think in a lot of ways, sometimes they're synonymous for Mm -hmm. folks who maybe aren't a part of a church that that makes that sort of uh, that division in that way, I suppose. Um, I'm I'm curious. um, Just a little follow up question, Nancy, and I'm sure we'll get into more of it. When you think about, can you give us an example, and maybe it's even the example from the text that we're going to talk about today, of of what is what does religion look like versus what does the real deal mm-hmm. necessarily look like? Well, I think um, for the average person, um, they really want to know, how can I get right with God? How can I be close to God? Whatever. And what we lean, what we tend to lean into are sometimes some disciplines, and even the very word makes us go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. disciplines, mm-hmm. Um, that we've heard about that are important. So, for example, um, when I was growing up, everybody talked about your quiet time, you know, and this should be a time every morning and don't ever miss, because if you miss, you might not experience God that day, you mm-hmm. know, so you have your quiet time, and what do you do in your quiet time? Make sure you have enough time for reading the Bible, enough time for prayer, maybe journaling, and then you can check it off the list and think, I'm good to go. Um, the problem with that is it misses the purpose of mm. connecting with God. It's not like there's anything wrong with connecting with God. Um, but if we do miss, that's not really the point. And I, I think that's the big thing. We keep missing the point. And mm-hmm. the point of that is, why would I want to read scripture? Well, so I can understand more about God. Why would I want to pray? Because I want to have a conversation with him and I, a relationship. So um, we just lose our way. We kind of we kind of miss the agenda that God has, which is really, as we kept talking about transformation and how that happens, is not following a list of rules. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. It, it's uh, when we get so obsessed with the practice and the actual action of it and the, the checking of the boxes that we totally miss the, the purpose that the practice exists for. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so go, going kind of, it, we're walking through, as a church, we're walking through the Gospel of Mark uh, leading up to Easter, and today we have at service we reached Mark chapter three, where Jesus is continuing this sort of face off with the Pharisees, mm-hmm. with the the religious elite. You you taught a lot on the Pharisees in the yes. background, and so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard Nancy's message yet, I I highly encourage you to do so because it gave what I thought was a really uh, accurate but also nuanced and even empathetic mm-hmm. uh, version or, or picture of what it means to be a Pharisee because they often get a really bad rap for, yes. you know, for good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all of that, what I loved about, uh, you, you gave us a little Bible study technique in, mm-hmm. in your message that I really loved. And you talked about how putting yourself into inside the story and putting yourself inside one character, the other helps to connect with the story in a different way. And I love that imaginative exercise where we don't just read scripture for the purpose of the facts, but we actually seek to imaginatively enter into these stories. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested, Nancy, in this story of Jesus at the temple uh, who heals this man on the Sabbath mm-hmm. in front of the Pharisees and everyone there? Who in this story do you find yourself, you know, recognizing with the most? You know, for me, um, I would love to think that I'm more like Jesus, the hero, <laughs> or I'm, you know, maybe even the victim or the man, the man needing healing. Um, but I think the shocking thing for me when I reflected honestly on this story is that I can relate most 
to the resentful Pharisees mm-hmm. who are standing there saying, wait a second, you know, this wasn't the plan, and how dare you um, violate our rules. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where this kind of practice of imagining yourself sometimes surprises you because you mm-hmm. say, um, I thought I was more like this or I want to be more like this person, but I actually can identify with the person that I think of as the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Noel? Hmm. Who did I? I definitely resonated more. I would say with the Pharisees as well. Mm. Um, especially again, just the way you broke down the human side and not just the us versus them mentality, but there's this human um, perspective of the Pharisee that they did have a life of studying the law, and that's and they held it so close to them. This is was their purpose, and so. Um, I really broke down. I, I, I understood what it meant to study, practice, learn something, hold it dear to you, whether even if I'm not thinking about the law, but I'm thinking about my identity in society or something that I've learned growing up or my religion as a Christian. I grew up Christian. So I'm like, I, I can see growing up and studying these things and then encountering someone who's like, no, it doesn't have to be that strict. You know, God God is flexible. God loves you. God wants to bring freedom to you. Excuse me? Freedom is going to church on Sunday. <laughs> freedom is reading your Bible. Are you not in a small group? You're not free then. You know, so I definitely <laughs> resonated with um, their heart, their intention. Um, and, and I didn't really, the way you put it, I didn't put it as a bad thing. I was just like, oh, okay, it's structure that I yearned for. And so that's how I related it to like my relationship with God, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the empathy of it too, in that Mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense that they would, if you look at the background of the Pharisees and that from a young age, they would have been taught all of these laws and that the, and that adherence to these laws is the way to connect to God. If that's what you're taught your whole life, it's going to be really difficult for you to let that go. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if that if that's been your only way to have any sort of connection with God, then yeah, that's that's hard to release that. I think. Yeah, and I'm sorry. And you also brought up the um, prodigal son as well. And so even that, so the Pharisees are like this overt example, and then the prodigal son, his brother, was this like hidden anger, this frozen anger, this disappointment. Um, from not even his own experience, but what his brother was experiencing. So I wanted you to share on that as well. Well, I think um, these days in our culture, um, the other piece of it that is true of both the older brother in that story and the Pharisees is this fierce need to be right. Mm. And I think that's what we're seeing all over social media and you know in the news, et cetera. It's like every group you can think of, we're all holding tightly to the lens with which we look at the world and, and to our prejudices and our, our bias. And uh, I, I find that that's the part of the hardened heart that, that is so common. Mm-hmm. And it's so true of me at times when I'm, you know, not willing to be curious and look at the other point of view and open myself up to what God might be saying or doing in a certain situation because I have these preconceived ideas that I've held so tightly to. Yeah. And there's, because there are, are more than just Christian Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, there mm-hmm. are politically liberal Pharisees. There's Democrat Pharisees. There's Republican Pharisees. Any sort of uh, place where you find a, a corner of society or a movement or a group, there are Pharisees within that group, mm-hmm. yes. you know? 
Yes. And can we, I would like to go around and talk about where we've experienced Pharisees in our own life or maybe push us a little bit and talk about when we've been Pharisees in our own life. You go first. <laughs> yes. Dang. Nancy, throw it back at her. Dang, Nancy. <laughs> Noelle just took like a grenade. She like bit the end I and she threw it. absolutely did. And Nancy caught it and threw it back. She said, you go first. Ooh. Um, hmm. Pharisees, Pharisees. I think I always think about um, church first um, where actually I'll have to pause a little bit and think about this, but people who held to structure. Yes, I would say in church and I grew up Pentecostal and I share this on the podcast a lot um, where there was, you know, a way to do church and a way to um, uh, and a way to live a life for God. And I, I felt very um, sometimes disappointed and like a failure when I didn't meet up to those standards. And when I had more of a bumpy road as we should say growing up as a teenager and wanting to party and have fun and um sneak out of the house I didn't do this mother but you know the idea of it um but when I when I think about that um I wanted to live this kind of free like relationship with God like I'm learning him on my own I don't want to be in your structure um it doesn't resonate with me and there was a lot of tension that I had with my grandparents or um my family members who had grown up in the church for a long time, I wouldn't say that they were necessarily Pharisees, but in terms of if we're talking about this idea of holding to structure, um, they did hold to a structure in a way of following Christ. Um, But the moment that I sat down with them and listened to them and understood them more that they, like we've been talking about, um, that's the way they learned. That's the way they grew up. And they were holding on to that because that's what God was for them. So I wasn't really as upset, but I think, yes, putting it back to me, I, I think um, that that's what my first experiences were. But again, when you bring that human side, the story is, to- it's, it flips the story on its head. And it's just like these Pharisees enjoy structure. They um, are holding to their identities and so it felt like maybe Jesus was coming at their identity itself. And so I think that's where there was so much tension between them. Who are you throwing the grenade to next? <laughs> I, I'm not going to go for Nancy. I just go for you, John. She already, <laughs> She's I, scarred. She's I'm afraid. I'm scarred. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll take the question in the other si- way that you phrased it and talk about where I see that popping up in myself. Um I, th- I think it pops up for me specifically when it comes to knowledge mm. surrounding the things of God, because that is, I grew up in a pseudo Christian tradition in that it wasn't necessarily my faith upbringing wasn't connected to a church necessarily. It was at first attached to an after school program that was founded in Christian values. Mm. And that's how I found my way into the church. And so my Christian upbringing was not in biblical teaching, theology, knowledge about God. It was all in community and all in the experience. And specifically, it was an after-school theater program. So we were all about getting in touch with your emotions, and we Mm -hmm. were very, you know, emotive, you know, young people. And so that's how we connected with God, was through music and worship and, you know, feeling and knowing. It was all very lovey-dovey. And growing up in that, 
I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had my resentment towards it for sure. Um, and still pops up, but I'm grateful for it because that introduced me into faith. But mm-hmm. as I've grown, I've grown in such a love of knowledge of God. I love to read, love to study the Bible. We talk about me as a Bible nerd on this podcast several times. I love that now. And what I notice from time to time is as I grow to love the knowledge more and more, I also find myself looking down on others who don't value it as much Mm. more and more and more. And the person who keeps me in check with that is my wife more Mm. than anything, because, you know, I'll read something in the Bible and do some research and find out about the original Greek word. And I'll tell Aaron about it. And she'll be like, so Mm. what, (laughs) what, what are you going to do about it? Like, how's that going to change the way you love people, John? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. She she definitely holds me accountable to that for sure. But yeah, for me, it's it's an obsession with knowledge, um, sometimes to an unhealthy place, and sometimes it leads me towards a judgmental place mm-hmm. of others. Yeah, I was thinking about the judgment side of it because um, often we'll have first impressions of someone or a people group, and we carry those uh, impressions into judgment. So I'll give you a quick example. This was several years ago, but husband and I were part of a a different church and it had at the same time as the main service in one room the young adults were meeting in in a different space and it was a Saturday evening so we had invited uh, a businessman and his wife this was a guy who um, very successful in the business world and was sort of a mentor to my husband on the business side of things and was totally a non-church person Um, really you know a guy who was pretty much pretty far from God I think at that time so he agreed to come, which was a really cool thing. And whenever you invite someone, you're so nervous, you know, and what what's this experience going to be like for them? So as we're leaving, it was a summer evening. The young adult service was also um, exiting. And I noticed a whole bunch of them had bare feet. And I was so embarrassed because we got this, this, you know, guest. And I'm thinking, could you at least wear shoes to church? I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I was so pharisaical. And come to find out, this is so embarrassing, um, they had a guest speaker that night who challenged everyone to give their shoes to the homeless. And they were taking all these shoes down into the city Mm. that night um, to give to people who didn't have shoes. I was just, oh, it was Mm. just like a slap in the face. I thought, what is wrong with me? You know, I made an immediate assumption. And this was all internal. That's the thing about a Pharisee. It's not like anybody else might have known. Mm. But I knew and what was going on in my heart was not healthy. You know, it was very judgmental. Yeah. And you gave such good direction to that in the teaching of mm-hmm. it's no in those moments where that pops up, taking the time to be self-aware enough and ask, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. What was that really about? You know, there's the embarrassment of realizing like, oh gosh, I totally judge those people. And I think most people will just move past that, you know, because there's some shame and embarrassment. But really allowing yourself to sit in that for a second and say, where did that come from initially? Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. That's good. Interesting. Yeah, and I I think of the term unconscious bias or implicit bias when we're mm. talking about these things and in of course there's a lot of um, diversity and equity and inclusion um, conversations going on due to the climate that we're in um, but yeah I think everyone holds bias um, and so no one's exempt from that I guess it depends on who uh, who you're biased against I guess um, and I, I enjoy that you said it's an internal 
thought process, which is really where you have to hold yourself accountable because you can be walking around as this Grinch on the inside, like you showed us um, about the teacup, this Grinch on the inside, I hate everybody, but on the outside, you're like, oh my gosh, I love you, welcome to church, you're mm-hmm. just, thank God you're here, I just love <laughs> you, but really, it's the inside isn't clean, The end, but the outside looks great, and even if you can expand on that a little bit more of this idea of being unclean or judgmental or mean or nasty on the inside um but also on the exterior you look put together you look great um how do you navigate that how do you where do you start with that what where do they go well i'm interested that you just brought up unconscious bias Mm -hmm. i was reading about that recently and one of the um experts or whatever was saying that it's no longer working in companies to go and say you know um let's see if we can find any unconscious bias basically Mm. what they're saying now is we all have unconscious bias and that's what the term unconscious (laughs) means Mm -hmm. we just don't know it and it's really uncovering what version or or what are the things that you that you hold this about Mm -hmm. and that has been an unearthing process that I've been going through to try to say you know okay I am a white um, baby boomer straight woman Mm -hmm. living in this culture um I have certain privileges that came not because I earned them, but because of my race and uh, upbringing and socioeconomic background, et cetera. Um, so what has that, that, there's certain things ingrained in me that I don't even want to look at sometimes mm. that come out uh, and, and I realize, okay, that was unconscious and I didn't realize that I might hold those stereotypes or I might think this or that. It, not just about other people, but about myself. Like, you know, a lot of white people have a hard time these days understanding privilege mm. and admitting privilege because it, it seems to imply that you didn't work, mm. that yes. you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's really not what it's saying. It's just saying that you got a head start, mm. you know, um, because of in our culture, uh, because of your race. And so these are the kinds of uprooting um, in the heart that, as John said, you can't rush past. You know, I, I think... Those are the things where I have to stop and pause and say, okay, let me trace some of this back. Let me understand the root of it and let me ask God to help me get it out, you Mm -hmm. know, um, into the light so I can look at it and confess it and then ask him to help me to change. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that, Nancy. Mm -hmm. And so a question popped up while you were talking and I'm going to preface it with something that I hope you take as an absolute compliment because that's what it is meant to be. You, you mentioned, you know, descriptors of, of who you are, mm-hmm. you know, white, baby boomer, straight, you know, all of these things. By all intent, I'll, I'll start with a story. I, um, I have massive respect for my father-in-law. He's an incredible man, has taught me so much, such a father to me. Um, and I look at him as a white, male, successful, you know, baby boomer, Gen Xer, and I think, like, we see a lot of examples of him being not the type of person you should look up to, especially recently. Mm. And I, I asked him one time, I was like, how did you not become like them? Mm. Like, how are you so open-minded? How are you so kind? Because what our culture would tell me is that anyone who is, you know, a privileged white baby boomer becomes a Karen or becomes, you know, whoever <laughs> yeah. it might mm-hmm. be. And... You know, Nancy, I've known you from afar for many years and known you a little bit, you know, 
more personally in the last several years, and I've never really seen that in you. I've I've always seen someone who is an exception to that rule and has that willingness to be open and to to ask yourself questions and to learn. How how, how have you not fallen into those other categories, but remained as you've continued to grow? Uh, someone who is open and resists that kind of Pharisee bent that a lot of folks have. Well, I appreciate that. And at the same time, you know, um, I, I am aware that people see what we want them to see. Mm-hmm. And I can be very good at crafting an image, too. So I don't want to, you know, take credit where there shouldn't be credit. But at the same time, um, my favorite Bible verse, if I have a favorite, is probably um, Proverbs 4.23. And it starts with the three words, above all else. So, you know, like it's really important. Um, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Another version says, um, for it's the wellspring of life. Everything comes from your heart. And it's paying attention to the condition of your heart and Mm. being willing to look at it. And this is over many years, you know, period of time, getting still with God and sitting there reflecting on the previous day and saying to myself, okay, God, um, I might just zip through this and think I had a really good day yesterday, but let me think through moment by moment, you know, when were there moments of pride or when were there moments where I was jealous of somebody else or when, you know, what was really going on on the inside? Because if I don't look at it, it may not come to the surface. It may not be something other people readily see or my husband or my friends, but, but it's there and I need to dig for it and again, confess it, not in a way to, you know, sort of get defeated, but in a way to say, God, I want to be more like Jesus. If he were in my body, I want to live the way he would live. And the only way to do that is to root out the moments mm-hmm. when I'm not like Jesus, you know. So any um, good that you might see in me has been uh, an ongoing process of confession and surrender mm-hmm. and um every day trying to be a little bit more like him than than my natural self. Yeah. And and can I just say as a woman who is black, a black woman who attends Soul City um and has attended Soul City for a long time, these conversations are so, you know, f- refreshing for me to see um in terms of talking about white privilege and how do you as a white person um not necessarily even combat it, but have a a self-awareness of it but also lean into the work of it but also have this whole my parents are white and people are saying that you know white people are wrong or evil or historically um so I'm happy that these conversations are available at Soul City Church are are being um or we're having these conversations because I think people of color I can speak for myself as a black woman sometimes it's it's burdensome to always have to bring it up or talk about it so that's why I'm just sitting back like oh oh my gosh like wow this is um refreshing but not only because you know I'm a black person in America but because it's healing Mm -hmm. like there's healing in the work there's um God is working in that and um and that's what we want to see for our communities is people being healed so thank you yeah and I what I'm about to say is not me drawing a one-to-one comparison with what you were just saying, mm-hmm. but it is important for the Pharisees to mm-hmm. do their own work yes. as well. 
Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that's, and we see examples of that, you know, in the gospels with, you know, in, in John chapter three, Jesus has this nightly encounter with Nicodemus, mm-hmm. this Pharisee who is very much, you know, uh, th- I think there's a reason that he meets Jesus at night, mm-hmm. you know, because it probably would not have been uh, the <laughs> most popular thing to do amongst his contemporaries. But he no doubt he he saw what happened with the healing on the Sabbath in the temple that day, you know, and it, he took it upon Nicodemus takes it upon himself to go and seek out Jesus and to say what's going on here and, and to try and figure it out. And, and I think regardless of where we see that Pharisee pop up in ourselves, I think it is so important that we, as you were saying, Nancy, take it upon ourselves to to seek out Jesus in that moment mm-hmm. and to and to do that work um, because I think it it can be very easy to just kind of sit back and become complacent with it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. So I do have um, an ask of you that you can't throw back this time, <laughs> <laughs> but w- I, I want you, if possible, to re- reiterate the homework or talk about the homework for our listeners, um, because I do, every time we have these conversations, I want people to walk away feeling confident that um, they can do the work. The work, right. it can be done Um and that's what we're advocating for. So, yes, if you could give us some homework, that would be great. Sure. Well, we were talking about the spiritual practice of confession. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I didn't say, but I think is important with that, is there's confession to God, which is you know very important, obviously. But there's also confessing to one another. And um, I don't know that we practice that as much as we should either. Mm-hmm. It's, it's having conversations with someone close to you and saying, you know, even if it wasn't an offense against them to say, you know, this is what I saw in myself recently and I've confessed it to God, but I want another human to hear, you know, that I'm struggling with this, whatever, whatever it might be. And there's something amazing, especially if that's a Christ follower that you confess to when that person also reminds you of grace and reminds you that there's, there's forgiveness for you. Mm -hmm. So confession is just really owning something. It's, it's just bringing it out and saying, there it is. I am that person, and um, I was prideful there, or I was envious there, or I was self-righteous, you know, whatever it is, and God, would you please cleanse me and forgive me and make me clean, and the wonderful promise is that he does that over and over and over again, and uh, I know sometimes it's frustrating because we seem to confess the same things repeatedly. Um, I have a friend who uh, was journaling, and she went back and looked at an old journal about 10 years prior and saw the same thing that she was confessing. She said, God, how can I still be struggling with the same pattern of sin? And the answer was uh, that she sensed from the Spirit was, um, that's always going to be your thing. That's going to be your tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, And the goal is that it becomes less frequent, you know, that it's not as often. But until heaven, we're not going to be able to get through a single day without disappointing God in some way and, Mm -hmm. and sinning. But the goal is to say, keep helping doing this new thing in me over and over and over. And eventually, I hope I will resemble Jesus more. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. And and expanding our definition of what needs to be confessed outside of just a behavior mm-hmm. or the, the list that our Christian training has taught us. You know, I... I think about so much of like my therapy sessions lately have really just been a practice in confession of like, Hey, here's what happened to me this week. And here's what I really thought about it. 
and I, <laughs> I didn't necessarily say it in the moment, but like, here's what I really thought about it. And knowing, you know, if you've ever done any sort of therapy or, mm-hmm. or anything like that, you know that that is a safe space yes. where I can, I can say, I can keep it 100. I can say exactly what I actually thought. And my therapist is still going to meet with me next week. Because mm, you, well, <laughs> you pay them. Because I pay them. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think, you know, that, that is, that's the practice of confession. Yes. That regardless of how raw, I, I, I can't get too raw with God. He's still going to meet with me next week. He's still going to meet with me tomorrow. Because um, he never actually left. That's right. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Um, and just to add, I think... For some people who may be like, I don't have a friend that I can go to. I don't have someone in my life. Sometimes those relationships are built over time. Um, And so maybe identifying people you may want to build a relationship with so that you can be open and vulnerable, have a space, space, safe space. Or if you do want to look into counseling, there's sliding scale uh, counselors out there, too, um, that I know Soul City would help get you connected with. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Well, Nancy, thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy. Seriously, you guys. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our listener or listeners. Um, there might be listeners. There now. might be listeners. I, I I can't believe it, but yes, by faith. By <laughs> by faith. faith. Um, thank you to our listeners, um, and thank you to our awesome producer Julian, who is just so faithful, and you don't hear his voice, but we appreciate you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And as Noel said at the beginning, don't forget, if you're listening to this, subscribe and leave a review. That really does help. And and I'll ask it again. I asked it last time. Share this with a friend. Mm-hmm. Share this with someone who needs it. You know, word of mouth uh, is still the best word. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but. Word of mouth is word the of best mouth. word. Word of mouth works. Word of mouth works. That's better. You Okay, you're going to take my <laughs> job and still do your job because I couldn't do yours. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's I so love fun. when Julian breaks in with the applause. All right, uh, Nancy, we have one final request for you, if it's okay. We always ask our guest, and you really are our first official guest, yes. so great job. You did Thank fantastic. You. Uh, to just finish off uh, and sign off on the podcast with a bit of a, a benediction, if you will, uh, if you wouldn't mind doing that for us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, remind you over and over that you are his treasured son or daughter, and give you peace. Amen. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks so much for listening to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. For more from Soul City, including teaching, giving information, or to join us for any of our weekend gatherings, visit our website, soulcitychurch.com.